Hi, I'm Sissy Graham Lynch. Welcome to Fearless, helping you have a fearless faith in a compromising culture. Welcome back to another episode. This is episode number 10, and we have already covered a lot of topics about having a fearless faith and a compromising culture. But if we are to be honest, there have been probably many times in our own lives where we have not stood with courage, that we have not been fearless in our faith. And that's what I want to talk about on today's episode is what happens when we don't stand fearless and what does scripture have to say about it? In the recent interview where I interviewed my dad here on Fearless, I was convicted by something he said. Here's what he said. I appreciate people taking a stand, but it's very difficult, Sissy, until you've been in persecution to understand it. You know, it's very easy for us to say how great these people are that have stood and to criticize those that haven't stood. But I want to be very careful not to criticize people that under persecution that have folded or have backed up. I want to encourage them to stand strong, but I'm not going to criticize them because um, we don't know. Persecution could come to us one day, and we would want to pray that we could stand Mm -hmm. like others have. And here at Fearless, it is my heart to help Christians navigate and to encourage them. But I never want this boldness to be taken lightly. I never want to seem to come across prideful. Because we, like my dad said, will never know what we'll do when we face the pressure of the world. In today's episode of Fearless, we're going to do something a little bit different and have more of a Bible study. If you're able to, I encourage you to open up your Bible to John 21. If you don't have your Bible in front of you, I encourage you to, when you have the chance, to open it up and study for yourself. But this is the last chapter in the Gospel of John, and I think it's one of the most beautiful chapters, especially to me. And I'm so thankful John didn't end in chapter 20, where he could have, but he made sure he included this. And this is the chapter where his disciples are waiting for him at the Sea of Galilee. This is the place where his disciples decided to follow him and where they learned about Jesus, where his ministry was based out of, and they were waiting for him to appear to them there. And they probably got just tired of waiting and waiting, and they decided to be a little bit busy. They decided to go fishing that night, and they had caught nothing. And it was early in the morning when Jesus appeared on the shore, and they didn't realize it was him, but he said, "'Friends, haven't you any fish?' And no, they answered." He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, which is John, I love that John writes that about himself in his own book, said to Peter, it is the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. And when they landed, they saw a fire burning coals, and there were fish on it and some bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have caught. 
and Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. And I love that part is that Jesus said, come and have breakfast with me. And I think it is so important. Uh, I'm going to talk about this before we go into him restoring Peter, is that the disciples were there waiting at the Sea of Galilee for Jesus because that's where he told them to meet him. And they probably waited and waited and waited. And I just love that it was at the Sea of Galilee. This is where he told his disciples to follow him. This is where he taught them truth. This is where he taught about him and that his ministry grew and was based out of. So he comes back down to the Sea of Galilee to meet them. And he met him for breakfast. And I love that Jesus had the fire going and he already had food ready. That we have to show up to Jesus. We have to come to the breakfast table that Jesus is waiting and he comes prepared to give us food and to give us life. But what I also love is he says, bring your fish that you have caught. He didn't need their fish, but he's going to use what they have as well. And I think it is so beautiful in our life is that God doesn't need anything we have. God can do it all on his own, but he uses us because he wants to use us and use our gifts for his glory. And as we continue on, we read in verse 15, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. And I'm going to pause right there because most of us know the story. We know the story of Peter. Um, For those who don't, it is, who is Peter? He was a fisherman and he was one of Jesus's 12 disciples. And Jesus' first words to Peter were, follow me. And one of his last command in the gospel to Peter was, follow me. And what I love about Peter in scripture was that he kind of can remind us a lot of ourselves. Here's a man that's very confident in his relationship with Jesus. Uh, He can be very quick to act and very quick to speak. Uh, We all need to be, you know, reminded a little bit of Peter. We can see Peter in ourselves. But what I love is his life was forever changed when he met Jesus. He was still Peter. He made plenty of mistakes. He could be arrogant. He could be prideful in his love for Jesus. But there's no such thing as a perfect follower of Christ. Jesus uses real people. Peter was a real person who had faults, but loved Jesus with all his heart. And Peter in uh, Matthew 26, people know the story. Jesus predicted that one of his disciples would deny him. And Peter said, even if all fall away on the count of you, I never will. But Jesus predicted that 
Peter would deny him three times before the rooster crowed in the morning. And then, of course, we all know the story that Peter went on to deny Christ. And here's a man that had spent so much time with Jesus, who knew Jesus, who loved him, but was very prideful in his relationship with Jesus and how much he loved him. And when his life was on the line and people were accusing them that he was a friend of Jesus, he denied it. And after Peter denied his friend, the man that he loved with all his heart, three times, he carried such guilt. He carried such shame. He left the city and wept. He had failed his friend, his savior. And I know I have failed. We all have failed at some point. I can think of times in my life, whether it's small or whether it's big, there might be times you're a little bit ashamed or you don't have the courage to take a little stand, whether it's eating breakfast or coffee with your girlfriends that might not know Jesus and they all start eating and you kind of want to say a prayer, but then you don't. You're like, oh, I don't want to embarrass anybody, so I'm not going to pray. Or whether it's something big, whether you're in a business and you had to make a huge decision and decided not to do the right thing. Or whether you're in the classroom and you know your teacher is saying something that is untrue and unbiblical, but you're too afraid to take a stand. We've all been there. We've all, you know, have missed times to share the love of Christ, to share the gospel, to stand bold. But even those who love Jesus most, who were his best friends, have all failed. But I want to encourage you, don't use your failure as your excuse not to do what God has called you to do. And my sister-in-law, who's a wonderful Bible teacher, she just said, even when you fail, God's plan for your life does not change. He still has magnificent plans for you. He created you. He knew you before He created the earth. He has great plans for you. So even though you have failed, His plans for you haven't. But I believe you have to do a few things for Him to continue to use you. And that's one, is what we just read, is you have to come to Jesus. You have to come have breakfast with Him. We have to show up. Jesus is waiting. All we have to do is show up. Number two is, We have to talk about it. He talked about it with Peter in front of everybody. It was public. And some people might think, well, that was a little harsh that Jesus would talk about this in front of everybody. But we know through scripture that Jesus has already appeared to Peter once. And maybe that's when Jesus privately, you know, spoke to him on the denial of him and loved him and reaffirmed him there. But Jesus also does it publicly. Peter denounced Jesus three times publicly. So here's Jesus asking Peter three times in front of his friends, do you love me? And is that when we have failed and we carry shame in our life and we carry hurt and burdens that we have to talk about it. We have to address it. And we don't have to do it publicly before a huge congregation. We don't have to do it publicly, you know, in front of thousands of people. But I do believe there are people in your life that you have to do it publicly before, whether it's a small group of friends or a larger group of people that you know, is that when you carry that shame and that burden or hurt and guilt, is that we have to deal with some of that publicly before people that we love. 
And the third is we have to be humble and honest. Peter, who once bragged and boasted about his love for Christ, was now being honest in his one-in-one conversation. And what we might not know is when we're reading this translation is that there's different words of love. And when Jesus is asking Peter, do you love me? He's using the Greek word agape love, which is the highest kind of level of love you can imagine. Um, But in his response, Peter in his response uses a word that's more like, I'm fond of you, Jesus. It's kind of like I think of, you know, those awkward moments, maybe when you're a teenager or something and somebody says, I love you. And you respond, oh, that's nice. I really like you. <laughs> and that's how Peter was answering Jesus. Jesus is like, do you love me with all your heart, unconditional, sacrificial love? And Peter's like, I'm fond of you, Jesus. And that kind of love. And I'm thankful for that in the scripture that Peter was honest in his answer. And he later goes on and says, Jesus, I do love you, but you were all knowing. And I think it's meaning you were all knowing is you knew back then when I said I loved you with all my heart that I would fail you. You knew that, but you still loved me. You know that I'm a human. You know that I'm sinful. You know the capacity of my heart to love. And Jesus came down to his level and goes, do you love me? And he says, yes, Lord, you are all knowing. And that third time, it says that Peter was hurt. And I think he was hurt just because he knew how he had failed Jesus already. And Jesus knew that, but still loved him. But in that, he says, feed my sheep. He first said, feed my lambs. Second, he said, take care of my sheep. Third, he said, feed my sheep. And it's even in our failures, when we come to Jesus, we're humbled and we're honest. You know, Peter had to get to that part of humility because he used to brag about himself all the time, thinking he was so great. But now he is before his best friend and he's humbled. But we have to learn from our failures and we have to keep going. And it's so wonderful that John ended with this chapter. So it bridged us into the book of Acts where that we see Peter did what he learned from his failures and what Jesus gave to Peter and the ministry he gave him to feed his sheep when we talk about the beginnings of the church. We have to remember as Christians when I try to encourage you here on the Fearless Podcast to be unashamed of your faith, to be bold, is that we can never do that on our own. And that's what Peter tried to do. He thought he was strong enough on his own. He thought he was so great that he loved Jesus that he would never deny him. And that is something my dad also talked about in our interview. Here is what he said. We have to pray that God gives us the strength to stand because it's His strength that allows us to do it. And if we think we are strong, we better be careful because that's about when we're going to fall. Mm -hmm. And we have to pray and go on our knees and asking God to give us the strength to be faithful to Him because it's very difficult. In John 15, 5, it says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from Jesus, we are not able to stand fearless in this world. Apart from Jesus, we won't be bold enough. Apart from Jesus, we won't stand unashamed.
We have to find our strength in Him. We have to continually know His Word, um, to study His Word, to be emboldened by His Word, to be enlightened by His Word, to be able to give us the strength to stand strong in this world. And once again, on this podcast today, I would just want to remind you is that we have all failed, but God is not done with you. There have been moments that you might have been ashamed to say that you love Jesus, or you didn't know how to take a stand in the unique situation you faced, but Jesus is not done with you. He restored Peter's ministry and gave him even more. It wasn't just feed my flock. It wasn't just take care of them, but equip them. He gave them the ability to start the Christian church. Don't let your failure paralyze you. God will still use you and you have to keep going. You have to keep moving because God's got a unique purpose for you. He had a unique purpose for Peter. He wasn't done with Peter, but In that moment of failure, Peter learned how to depend on God. He came with a heart of repentance. And God will use your failure to teach you how to keep going. Peter had failed, and he was just carried a lot of guilt and hurt and shame in that. He still went to the Sea of Galilee to meet Jesus. You got to come to breakfast with Jesus. Meet with Him. Be humble. Be repentant before Him. And see how God will use that in your life. A beautiful example that I can think of is Mike Pence. When he was the governor of Indiana at the time, back in 2015, there was the State Religious Freedom Restoration Act. And he was getting a lot of pressure to not sign it, to lighten it up a little bit, um, And that people like businesses and the NCAA were threatening to pull out of the state of Indiana. And the governor softened the tone of the bill. And he then received criticism from many Christians around the country who stood for religious freedom saying that he didn't stand strong. And I don't ever want to criticize, like my dad has always reminded me, never to criticize somebody that you might not thought have stood strong because we can never begin to understand the pressure of that moment they face, the pressure of a governor who was wanting to protect those, you know, his citizens when people were claiming to pull jobs out of his state. I just can't understand that kind of pressure and the boycotts and the threats that came. But what I do know is that even from our opinion that maybe he didn't stand firm, but God wasn't done using him. Just a couple years later, who would have imagined that he would be Vice President Mike Pence? And he is a vice president like we've had none before, who has stood strong for the sanctity of life, who has been promoting and an advocate for Israel, and who promotes religious freedom here in the U.S. and all across the world. And how thankful I am that he stands unashamed of his faith, that he stays steady, He advocates for the Yazidis and Christians attacked by ISIS in Iraq. He spoke out for the Rohingya in Bangladesh. And I'm so thankful our Lord is a God of grace who gives second chances and restoration. And God will do that in your life. If there are moments that you feel small or big, that you didn't take a stand for Christ or some other kind of guilt in your life, 
that our God is a God of grace, and He's a God who gives second chances, and He will restore you and your ministry in whatever capacity that looks like. As we close today, I just want to remind you of God's grace. And it is something that we can't fathom in our lives. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. I will include all the Bible verses that I've talked about and other resources I've talked about in my show notes. And like always, stay connected on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks for listening. I'm Sissy Graham Lynch. I was a